Hello, and welcome to the Letters from Our Fathers podcast, where we explore the actual history of America's founding fathers from their own written words and personal correspondence, but without modern partisan political ideologies. I am your host, Roman. Now let's learn some real history. All right, welcome back, everybody. This is episode 27 of the podcast. I hope you enjoyed episode 26. And this is going to be a short-length episode, as opposed to our feature-length episode, which was the previous. And, of course, we'll have another feature-length episode coming up uh, next Monday. I really appreciate you folks being out there and participating in the study of this material. Uh, Somebody has to keep the history of the Founding Fathers alive, because they can't do it themselves anymore. They're no longer with us, (laughs) as you might know. Uh, Unfortunately, they're gone. So it's uh, it's up to us. And if we don't do it, nobody will. So um, I'm very certain that the Founding Fathers are counting on us to not give up on them or what uh, what they accomplished. Uh, Samuel Adams himself is, is counting on you. You remember those old posters uh, from back in the day? Uh, the Uncle Sam posters where he's pointing out at you and he says, Uncle Sam wants you. Very much the same kind of thing. I mean, just imagine a, a Benjamin Franklin looking out from the past, pointing at you. Uh, He wants you to study this material. He wants you to remember what happened. He doesn't want to be forgotten. Neither does Samuel Adams, by the way, especially Samuel Adams. So thank you for joining me. Thank you for sharing the podcast with all your uh, friends, family, neighbors, acquaintances, etc., who might be interested in this particular material. It's great to share it with them so that they can join us over here on the podcast and keep uh, keep history alive, because uh, we don't want history to die on us uh, prematurely. So today I'm going to circle back and I'm going to talk about uh, a letter that I was going to talk about on a prior episode, but I, I skipped it. it. It hit the cutting room floor, and it just didn't make it into the episode. But I uh, felt like I wanted to talk about it. Uh, I was going through my material, my research materials, and my notes, and I saw this, and I was like, hey, I have to go back and talk about that. I can't just le- leave this one alone. So let's get let's get to it. This is going to be an interesting letter because it's written to John Adams from a Catherine Macaulay on the 11th of September, 1774. And this is going to be a letter that's written from England, Old Catherine here, she's uh, she's in England. You're going to figure that out. You can tell by the way she writes this letter. She's from England. But uh, I'm going to read a portion of this letter to you. And this has to do with what the thought process is in England at this particular time, given what's going on in the colonies. And if you want to know what's going on in the colonies at this time, every episode that we've done since the episodes on the Intolerable Acts will tell you exactly that. So let's begin. Quote, If you have all the English newspapers in America, you will have seen how strenuously and ever zealously my brother, Mr. Sawbridge, defended the injured rights of America. But the bands of the ministry in both houses are so numerous that opposition serves no other purpose than to publish the sentiments of individuals, not in the smallest respect, to obstruct the designs of government. The people of this country are so dead to any generous principle and policy that they regard the quarrel of the government with the Americans only as it may affect their own interest. They will snarl a little if they meet with interruption in their commerce, but I believe no evil short of the entire destruction of their property will produce an effectual opposition to the career of power. End quote. Good grief. You know, I I do marvel that more people don't find this material enlightening and worth their time to study. And I'm not I'm not talking about listenership to this podcast. The listenership to the podcast continues to grow, by the way, and thank you for that. But I'm talking about just generally. I read two paragraphs. And in those two paragraphs, you can pull out so much. And how many times have we done this? How many times have I read to you a single paragraph or just a couple of paragraphs from one letter? 
And there's just an, uh, an incredible amount of wisdom and education and history contained within those paragraphs. Let me let me break this down for you in case you're wondering, what in the world is he talking about? I didn't hear anything significant in there. Are you sure? Let, let me break this down for you. So she's talking about all the English newspapers. If they had them in America, quote, if you had all the English newspapers in America, end quote. And she basically summarizes, you know, her uh, her brother, Mr. Sawbridge, had made an argument in defense of American rights. But this fell on deaf ears. I'm paraphrasing, obviously. You know that because I didn't say quote, unquote, and all that, all that business. So it's basically nothing to do. So, so what did we learn? What's the history contained in that paragraph? There were certainly people in England who supported American rights, and they understood that something was done wrong here. This wasn't just a bunch of angry, rich people in the colonies. Again, remember, that's a common argument that people will use. Bunch of angry, selfish, rich farmers and lawyers and bankers in America didn't want to pay their taxes, didn't want to listen to the government. Evil people. And they started a shooting war. They were just trigger-happy, nutjob, lunatic, fringe extremists, blah, blah, blah. Well, according to Mr. Sawbridge, that's not the case, right? And according to uh, Catherine McAuley, it's not the case at all. And these aren't the only people who write in the defense of uh, the Americas, by the way, the colonies in America. They're not the only ones, by the way. I've got other letters. This is just one of them. And that's that's why I wanted to point that out to you again. This is the, the, the Founding Fathers are not who some people say they are. They really are not. Especially a Benjamin Franklin or a Samuel Adams or a John Adams. So many so many good personalities out there in the Revolution. There were some, sure there were some bad apples in there. Of course there were. But you're talking about some, the father of the American Revolution, Samuel Adams. Did the guy did the man have some flaws? Absolutely. But was he as bad as people make him out to be? Some trigger-happy fringe lunatic? Just didn't want to pay his tax? No, that's not that's not who he was. That's certainly not who Benjamin Franklin was. Benjamin Franklin was a great guy in many respects. He, he had some problems, mostly family problems, but certainly benefited the United States of America and the world to a great extent through his inventions, his science, his intellectual pursuits. Great man, Benjamin Franklin, in many ways. And, you know, as far as their rights go, as far as the rights of the Founding Fathers go, they, they were violated. They, you know, the Founding Fathers, obviously, we've made, a, we've made a legitimate gripe about that with the intolerable blacks and other things. And, you know, Mr. Sawbridge and Ms. McAuley in this letter are telling us exactly the same kind of thing. Same thing. Same story. There's a reason why she's writing to Mr. Adams, to let, let him know that. Let's continue on. Quote, The people of this country are so dead to any generous principle and policy that they regard the quarrel of the government with the Americans only as it may affect their own interest, end quote. So when I read that section, you know, th there's there's a couple parts to this paragraph that I find very, very interesting. The people in the country, of course, when she says the people in this country, she's talking about Britain, of course, are dead to any generous principle. Did you catch that? That's what she said. Quote, are so dead dead to any general's principle and policy that they regard the quarrel of the government with the Americans only as it may affect their own interests, end quote. And they, she talks about the interruption of their commerce. You know, they're, they're concerned about the interruption in their commerce. They don't, they don't care a hoot about the rights of the Americans, as she calls them. And this is fascinating, quote, No evil short of the entire destruction of their property will produce an effectual opposition to the career of power, end quote. And when she says their property, she's talking about the people of Britain. So no evil short of the entire destruction of their property, the people of Britain, will produce an effectual opposition to the career of power. Haven't we talked about that before? Power. Government as an end unto itself. And remember how I drew a contrast in previous episodes of the differences. We talk, This came out of one of the letters from the Founding Fathers, by the way. I didn't make this up. There's a difference between a politician in Britain 
and somebody attending the United States Congress, or excuse me, the Continental Congress, I keep saying the United States, the United States doesn't exist yet in 1774. <laughs> anyway, the Continental Congress in 1774, these are two very, very different characters. One is very, very concerned with power and their own selfish interests, and the other is not, right? The, pe the, the, the people of the Continental Congress were of a very different character. Most of them. Were, were there some exceptions? Again, as always, bad apples, sure. But for the most part, that's not the case. Keep in mind, again, many of these people who went to the Continental Congress were willing to take to the field, get on their horse, take to the field, and get shot at to defend their rights. You have to take somebody like that seriously. And that's a different character than the kind of people you see in the Parliament in Britain at this particular period of time. And frankly speaking, it's very different from the kind of people that you see in the United States Congress today. Now, I want, you, I, want to, I want to read this back to you again, and I, want you to think, I don't want you to think 1774. I want you to think about today, which would be 2022 as of the uh, date that I'm recording this particular podcast episode. And when I say this country, I want you to think, see, she's writing this letter from England, which is really the seat of government for the British Empire. So when she says this country, I'm going to read this back to you, and in the part where she says this country, I want you to think about the seat of government for the United States. Which would be where? Washington, D.C., right? And the surrounding area. Northern Virginia, right? Because Washington, D.C. really isn't isolated to the District of Columbia anymore. It really sprawls out across, uh, across the border into Northern Virginia and all the rest of it. So keep that in mind. I want you to picture that particular piece of geography and the people in it when I say this country. So let me uh, keep that in mind and let me read this back to you. Quote, the people of this country are so dead to any generous principle and policy that they regard the quarrel of the government with the Americans only as it may affect their own interest. They will snarl a little if they meet with interruption in their commerce, but I believe no evil short of the entire destruction of their property will produce an effectual opposition to the career of power, end quote. Does that sound like it would apply today? In other words, is there something, like when you when, when you replace this country, or not this country, when you replace it, but just, just change the geography. Change it from, the geography and the time, change it from England in 1774 to the region around the District of Columbia into 2022. Does it sound like she's talking about the same people regardless of the time period? That's a question you have to answer for yourself. Honestly, I'm not going to help you too much with that. I'm just going to leave it open-ended. Part, part of the reason why I do this podcast is, is to get people thinking. This is what they do. This is uh, Well, let me rephrase. This is what they should do in the university. They, they spend a little bit too much time dictating and not enough time asking thought-provoking questions and then letting the end user, that would be you, or the student in the case of the university, actually think through the problem themselves and then make a decision one way or the other. And there's no, there's no really wrong decision here. It's really a matter of how you see things and how you view the world. Do you, do you see what I'm getting at here? In other words, do we have the same problem today that they had in 1774? Do the Americans, the quote-unquote Americans in this paragraph in 1774, and more specifically 2022, have the same problem? Are there people that are too caught up in their own commerce? Quote, they will snarl a little if they meet with interruption in their commerce, end quote. And then you have this final section here of the paragraph, which wouldn't apply to a financial district, but more a government district of any particular country, including the United States, if it does apply. Uh, it's up to you to decide that. Quote, I believe no evil short of the entire destruction of their property will produce an effectual opposition to their to the career of power. End quote. What did we say? You remember when I started talking about power hungry tyrants? You know what happens? When, it's more, more like drunk on power. Right. And I talked about I made the joke about rehab. 
I wish there was a rehab that we could send people who are drunk on power to. We could just walk up to them and say, hey, buddy, it's time. You're drunk on power. Time to go to rehab. That's a problem every government has. There's always this perpetual problem with people getting drunk on power. It's it's never it's never it's a problem that's never been solved. And I don't know if it ever can be solved. I wish it could, but I just simply don't know that it can be. So there's definitely people in government who are drunk on power. And if you say, oh, there's not a single human being, millions of people employed by the government, there's not a single human being that's not drunk on, that's drunk on power. There's nobody up there that applies to being drunk on power. Are you kidding me? Of course there are. But how bad is the problem really? Is it the same as, is it the same kind of problem that they had in 1774? That's the question I'm asking. That's the thought-provoking question. I'm going to read this paragraph to you one more time so it can really solidify and then after this episode ends, you can stew on it and really think about, does this apply to us or does it just apply to the people of 1774? Quote, the people of this country are so dead to any general principle and policy that they regard the quarrel of the government with the Americans only as it may affect their own interest. They will snarl a little if they meet with interruption in their commerce, but I believe no evil short of the entire destruction of their property will produce an effectual opposition to the career of power. End quote. There are some out there who, who would say that this woman who wrote this letter could be writing of us, of the United States, in 2022. You know, it could be. You know, this could be an issue, and it's something to keep an eye out for. So what, what's my, what's my, what's kind of the, one of the points of this podcast? It's to basically take what the, the problems that the Founding Fathers were dealing with and to bring it up into the modern age a little bit and say, okay, you know, what are they warning us about? What are they telling us about that we need to be on the watch for? Because, you know, a, a good individual with any, any individual within a country really does need to keep an eye out for their country. They need to watch out for it. They need to make sure and keep an eye on things and make sure everything's being done properly. And there's not any there's not any issues with power hungry people who need to go to rehab, drunk on power, go to rehab kind of people. Uh, you got to watch out for these kind of things. And this woman from England in 1774, believe it or not, you know, it, it's it's just seemingly a random person from England in 1774, 200 and some years ago. What could she possibly contribute to our discourse today? Well, they were dealing with a very specific set of problems in 1774, and every once in a while, these kind of things come up. You know, it's like, you know, the were the American founding fathers, were they the first ones to deal with some kind of a tyrant king? No, it had happened before. It wasn't the first time, and it won't be the last, by the way. You know, there were people dealing with tyrant kings and whatever all the way up into the 20th century, and probably still today, to be honest with you. There's varying degrees of tyrant, and maybe they're not, maybe not so much tyrannical today, but they could be tomorrow. But you, you got to watch out for this kind of stuff and keep an eye on it. So I'll just throw the question out there: Is this a problem? Is it something that you need to keep an eye on? And somebody might ask me, you know, Roman, how in the world am I supposed to keep an eye on that? What's an indicator that this is a problem? Well, when you're talking about these people who are isolated, so what, what's the problem here? We have this problem where the people in Britain, the the, the Parliament and the King in Britain, are isolated away from the Americas, and so are a great many people in England. They don't really care about what's going on in America. They just care about their commerce, according to her. Quote, they will snarl a little if they meet with interruption in their commerce. End quote. So they care about their money. They just want money. They don't care about the rights of the Americans. They're just, you can trample on their rights all day long for all they care. They just want their money, right? And what about the political class? Quote, I believe no evil short of the entire destruction of their property will produce an effectual opposition to the career of power, end quote. In other words, all they care about is their power. Okay, so we've got money and power. And those are basically more important to these people than the rights of the people who should be their countrymen, the Americans, often the colonies, part of the British Empire. 
And from the commerce perspective, I mean, you know, there are, there are some people out there who will almost literally sell their grandmother for a nickel. I, I talked about this an episode or two ago. I forget exactly which episode it was in. That these people are all these people are in every country. These people who will basically sell themselves out for any little small sum of money, and that's a problem because people who prioritize money and power and stuff like that, they tend not to care about people's rights, your rights, my rights, or anybody else's for that matter, or even their own rights. They sometimes they don't they don't even really care. Fine, take my rights away as long as I get my money. That's all I care about. That's what that's the sentiment of a lot of people. You'd be surprised. So she's talking about the commercial interest, and she's talking about the political power interest. Now, how do you identify an accumulation of that kind of thing that might be problematic? Well, there's one way to there's one way to do it. And here 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 goes a, a little bit of a foray into the the modern version of this kind of thing. And this is as of 10 years ago, so things might have changed a little bit, but honestly, I sincerely doubt it's changed at all except gotten worse. Did you know that seven of the nation's 10 richest counties in the United States are in the Washington, D.C. area? So of all the counties in the country, and there's thousands of them, out of the top 10 richest counties with the largest accumulation of wealth, seven of the 10 richest counties are in the Washington, D.C. area. That's fascinating. Is that a problem? It could be. It could be. I mean, some people might say, well, that's not a problem. Why would that be a problem? Well, I don't know. You have this concentration of commercial interest, wealth, and then you have this concentration of power, and they seem to be literally laying right on top of each other. And then you read this section from Miss McAuley's letter that goes a little something like this, quote, They will snarl a little if they meet with interruption in their commerce, but I believe no evil short of the entire destruction of their property will produce an effectual opposition to the career of power, end quote. That's fascinating. And by the way, you know, Roman, what's your source? Where are you getting this information from? Of the seven, seven of the nation's richest counties. And blah, blah, blah. Well, it's out of the Washington Post. Uh, just do an internet search for that Washington Post. Seven of the nation's rich, seven of the nation's richest counties in D.C. You'll get the article. It's right there. So it's it's a it's a solid source. You know, if in 250 years from now, it'll it'll be a solid source for that information because they're they're right there. They ought to know. I don't I don't suspect they're lying about their own community because. Why would they? And I can almost hear the voices out there now in some in some circles. Not in all circles, but in some circles. Oh my gosh, Roman, you're getting partisan. You said you would never get partisan. What's partisan about that? You know, you know, partisan means you know choosing one side or the other. This is an equal opportunity problem, isn't it? I mean, I know I know the people out there who are partisan would say, well, it's just one side that's the problem. Are you kidding me? Seriously? I really think you ought to take another look at it. But anyway, that's one way. I'm just trying to instruct here. That's part of my job. I'm supposed to instruct. Uh, according to my own personal charter here on this podcast, I come up with this stuff. But I'm supposed to instruct, I guess, and how it, I, I keep telling you folks, pay attention and keep a lookout for this kind of thing. If this starts happening again, be careful. Make sure you keep an eye on things so things don't get out of control. Make sure you know what's going on so that we don't repeat a situation like the Founding Fathers had. And I just gave you one way to do it. There's a perfectly good metric for judging what the situation is currently. And it dovetails and ties in very nicely with what Catherine McAuley from September of 1774 is telling you. And again, she's the guest on the podcast. She, Miss McAuley is driving the conversation today, not me. I am simply taking what she said and putting it in a modern context like I always do. Because otherwise, people, and why do I do that? You might say to yourself, oh, Roman, for Pete's sake, why don't you just read us the letter and teach us the history why in the world do you need to put it in a modern context? All that's going to do is get political, and it's just going to make people angry. Well, I'll tell you why. 
because if I don't put it in a modern context, it gets very easy for people to just go, oh, this doesn't apply to us anymore. The, the, these these problems are solved. This is old-timey kind of stuff. This is 1774 stuff. This doesn't apply to us in 2022. It's a totally different time. People are so different today. The times have changed. We're so much more evolved than we used to be. I'm dead serious. You, you're, you're, I, can, I can hear somebody laughing out there at this, this notion that people would actually think that. But there are people out there who believe that kind of stuff. So I have, to, I, have to t- I have to tell you that, yes, this was a problem in 1774. And maybe, maybe it could be a problem today. At least it's something to think about. Worst case scenario, it gives you something to stew on and be like, okay, is this thing from 1774 a problem today? If it is, how is it? Where is the problem localized? Where does it originate from? How does it apply to us, the American people, so on and so forth? And for those of you overseas in different countries, look at look at your own area and see if it applies to you. Is this a problem that you deal with as well? And what is it with this accumulation of this this these two these two forces working together that Miss Macaulay is talking about? The commerce element and the career of power element. These two things working together and trampling on the rights of Americans. What is it with those two things? And when those two things come together, is this always going to be a problem or was it just a problem in 1774? These are important questions to ask. Otherwise, and if you don't ask these questions, if you don't know about this stuff, how do you, how do you know how to conduct yourself as an individual person within a country? You don't, in my opinion. You have no idea how to conduct yourself. You're just kind of blind, wandering around aimlessly. And we can't have that. So let's think about this. And let's analyze it and let everybody come up with their own answer to this question. Is this a problem today or is it not? And is what Miss McAuley is talking about something that we need to be concerned about and keep an eye on today? Everybody can answer that question for themselves. It's up to you. And you just make a decision and then you move on and act accordingly, whatever your decision is. If it's all much ado about nothing, continue on as you were. If you think, well, you know, by George, I think that might actually be a, a bit of a situation. Well, then act accordingly. And what does that mean, act accordingly? Just be on the lookout for things. You know, if you see it, if you see this uh, this issue growing to be a problem, then address it some particular kind of way in a in a in, you know in a most uh, diplomatic fashion as possible. Maybe you change how you vote. Maybe you change how you talk about politics. Maybe you change how you think about government. Maybe you change how you react to things that are going on, so on and so forth. And maybe you think to yourself, well, you know, those those people those people in government who I thought had my best interests at heart, maybe they don't. Maybe it's really all about their quote career of power end quote. And maybe those people in the financial district, I, I thought they had my best interests at heart, but maybe they're only concerned with, quote, interruption in their commerce, end quote. Maybe. And maybe you don't put so much trust in them. I don't know. Or maybe you do. It depends on how you answer the question. It's up to you. Everybody has to decide these questions for themselves. But it's important that you at least ask the question because there's a lot of people out there who just simply won't. They're compl- they're perfectly content to wander around blissfully ignorant to what's going on around them. And, you know, we, we strive to a higher standard on this podcast. A much higher standard than that. And I don't mean to get terribly political about it, but I mean, th- this is a, I mean, the, the problems that we talk about on this podcast are problems the Founding Fathers faced, and a great many of those were political in origin. They come out of this tyrannical edict uh, from either the British Parliament or King George III. Those things are sem- somewhat political by their nature, so unfortunately, yes, we have to dive into this occasionally. And I felt like this was a perfectly good opportunity to make a point that uh, Miss McAuley was trying to convey to us here. Uh, she's got a good argument here, and she makes a she makes a good point about what's going on in England. And this the, the way she, they just can't get through to the people in England. They can't get through to them because they're they're just interested in other things. They don't care about the rights of the American people, you know. And if you if you want to try to test the waters, you know, call your elected representative. There's 535 people in the United States Congress. Call your people and do it occasionally. 
And ask yourself, after you do that for a few years, do these people really care about me and my interests, or do they care about their, quote, career of power, end quote? It's an important, it's, it's almost a civic responsibility to do something like that. At least then you'll know the answer to the question. Until then, maybe you don't know. You're just kind of guessing as to what they're doing up there. I don't know. Maybe you know, maybe you don't know. I'm just trying to point it out there, because some people don't know to try that kind of thing and to actually test the waters. There's no harm in asking questions, right? And there's no harm in engaging in a thought experiment. That's all we're doing here. Asking questions, engaging in a thought experiment. That's the that's kind of the lesson for today. You know, I think I think Miss McAuley had a really good point here again, which is why I wanted to circle back to this letter. I had left it behind in my research material, and I I, I saw it again, and I thought to myself, I can't ignore Miss McAuley. I can't ignore her. I have to talk about what she said. And you know, she she makes a very solid point. I think, and she uh, she really communicates to us in the Americas, uh, in the United States specifically, that the people of England were certainly weren't all bad. There were definitely some good folks there, but their their voice just they were there weren't enough of them to raise their voice loud enough to make a difference, unfortunately. And things got out of control, the tyrannical king did what he did, and here we are. And we all wish it wouldn't have come to that, because it would have been a lot better off if everybody just would have been a lot more diplomatic about things, as always. I mean, why can't you just be diplomatic about it, for crying out loud? You see a problem, be diplomatic about it. But, you know, some people just don't want to do that. Some people want to get drunk on power, refuse to go to rehab, and next thing you know, they're passing the intolerable acts out of Parliament, and people's lives are getting ruined. And then the government sends the military, the British government in this case, in 1775, sends the military out into the countryside to, to start rousting people and shooting at them. Ugh, I mean, you just, I mean, I'm amazed more movies haven't been made about this story, by the way. Has anybody out there ever watched a movie about the Revolutionary War? There's some good ones out there. Uh, there's actually one that's actually really good. It's a very obscure movie. I don't know that many people have seen it. It was many years ago, and it wasn't a, it wasn't like a Hollywood-type movie. It was like a made-for-TV movie that I watched, and it was fantastic. It really, it told a portion of the story of the Founding Fathers, but there's so many other stories to be told. I'm amazed that more movies don't get made about this. I, I'm really kind, kind of shocked. But uh, at the very least, we're certainly going to talk about it here on this podcast, and we're going to go much more in-depth than any movie ever could, and certainly more in-depth than any book ever could. I mean, there are, I mean, if you added up a lot of books, you could get this material, but no one book is going to give you the kind of material and depth that this podcast is going to give you. So I like to think uh, we're creating a great product here on this podcast for you folks, and I certainly appreciate you joining me on this episode. Uh, this podcast is better because you are here. And the Founding Fathers, again, as, as I always say, would thank you immensely for taking the time to study this material with me. And I hope you folks out there understand, uh, we, we, do, we always do the best we can with this material, and we try to interpret it uh, based on just what they wrote, and take their words for what they are. Uh, so I'm going to certainly look forward to the next episode of this uh, podcast. It will be a, uh, barring some catastrophe, it will be a feature-length episode, uh, unlike this one, which is a little bit shorter episode. I hope you're enjoying it. As always, the Patreon podcast is available for you folks who want an expanded discussion on topics of history, current events, technology, society, all these things. Uh, my Patreon podcast is available if you want to get a... Uh, a further podcast available, made by uh, created by me, and it's available over on patreon.com slash podcasts with Roman. Uh, the link is in the description box to this podcast. At least it is on Apple Podcasts and should be elsewhere as well. And again, patreon.com slash podcasts with Roman. I certainly appreciate uh, anybody who goes over there and supports my podcast on Patreon. I have a great podcast supporter over there right now. He's been there since the beginning. Fantastic supporter of the Patreon podcast. I appreciate anybody who joins over there, as always. Uh, that's a, a sacrifice that you make in time. It's a subscription, so there's a sacrifice there as well. 
and I don't take it for granted. And and like I said, I don't take it for granted that you're here on this podcast. I always look forward to the next episode because I enjoy spending time with you good folks. And with all of that said, the podcast continues to march on. We are going to keep going until we uh, until we get as far as we possibly can in this material, which is pretty far if everything goes well. And I am Roman signing off. Thank you.